it just came to my mind before they left and I just said, you know, nothing is so important to risk your life. So make sound decisions and I know you drove all the way out there to have this amazing trip. Sometimes things don't go the way you plan. Someone had said to us, we went out for ice cream and um, my phone was right there on the table and they said, are you getting worried? And I said, mm, I'm getting concerned. Kind of the hike that we had always been dreaming of doing, challenging, which was definitely something we wanted and just kind of out in the middle of the wilderness. And I was counting down the days until we were going and I was really excited. I'm Rebecca Huntington and you're listening to The Fine Line a monthly podcast produced by Backcountry Zero. Sponsored by StatRef, a product from Jackson-based Teton Data Systems. StatRef provides the latest healthcare information to students, researchers, and practicing clinicians. Find us online at statref.com. The Fine Line explores real stories of adventure, risk, and rescue in the backcountry of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Today we hear from three sisters, Megan, Aaron, and Kelsey Andrew Scherer, who went missing in the Grovant Wilderness in July of 2015. This story has so many twists and turns, we've split it into two parts. In part one, we find out how even when you know where you are, you can still find yourself trapped by the unexpected. So Eric was out of the country when they left. That's the sister's mom, Shirley. It's a parent's worst fear. Your children, all three of them, are supposed to meet you and they never show up. There is no trace of them since they left on a five-day backpacking trip into the vast Grovant wilderness. Megan had spent time in Wyoming ahead of time, so she had been researching things. Erin was graduating from college in 2015, mm -hmm. and I had a, kind of wanted to transition out of my job and just do some exploring. I had been in Thermopolis. I uh, spent some time just going to Yellowstone and we had gone to the Bighorns to go on a day hike. And so just kind of getting familiar with our options and where we might like to hike. And both of us don't love hiking with lots of other people, you know, so we know that national parks, you have to, you know, get your passes and really plan ahead on exactly where you're going and it costs a little bit more money so we were just kind of looking for something off the beaten track a little bit to do a five day four night hike because that's how much time we had before we had to drive back to catch an airplane to Switzerland. And she and I had spent time on the phone she'd said she'd gone to look for a ranger and she talked about you know each phone call was you know this is what I did and I fully listened, but since it kept changing, you know, I didn't write things down like this is what they're doing. Megan is a morning backpacker. Likes to start off at sprint pace. So, and, and Megan and I had been out in Wyoming now for a month almost, so used to the elevation and all of that. And so we load on our packs, they're definitely quite heavy. Head up on the trail, the trail, goes straight up from the from the get-go. Just switch backs to get up to the Highline Trail. Megan and Aaron were both in their early 20s, but their younger sister, Kelsey, was just 16. The scenery was beautiful. The hiking part was terrible. I got blisters within like the first 30 minutes of hiking. 
It was straight up. My sister Megan walks really fast. Like she power walks everywhere. She was power walking up these mountains and I was not accustomed to the altitude whatsoever, but they had been in Wyoming for a while, so they were fine. Kelsey, I took her on a backpacking trip again in the Porcupines where my dad had taken us when we were younger and she liked it and it was really a good learning trip and I said, okay, so here's how you set up a tent and had her do it herself um, and offered a little guidance. She got great at throwing uh, ropes over trees to hang food, so that was a lot of fun. Granite Highline Trail was something recommended as something pretty scenic, a lot of fun. So that's how we have arrived at going to the Grovant. Yeah, so I was going really slow and I had blisters. We immediately decided to stop and wrap them up, put some tape on. We had a whole pack of blister bandage items, so we wrapped her feet up, wrapped mine up as well because I was starting to get some blisters. Um, Megan retied both of our boots so that they were nice and tight. And we kept on our way. We got up to the Highline Trail pretty quick, and then once we were up there, we are just very, very happy with the area that we were hiking and beautiful views rather warm, um, lots of biting flies, and we were pushing to try to make it as far as we expected. There were a lot of unmarked streams that we crossed, so it was definitely hard to tell like exactly where we were, exactly how far we had gotten, but we kind of knew the general area of how far we had gotten. Knowing that it was a tough day, I had kind of a game plan in my head of the loop that we could do. And, you know, here's a place where we could tack on an extra view, and here's another place we could go that would be kind of fun. So after our first day, I was like, well, we'll just tighten that up, and we'll do just the loop and call that good. I had taken pictures of the guidebook that I'd been looking at on my cell phone, so I knew that this day that we were going to turn up to go towards Turquoise Lake and uh, that the trail would be kind of tricky in there. So I'd warned everybody, we'd looked at the map all together, we had our compasses out. Well, it took us forever to get to the turning off point to head north towards Turquoise Lake, which was unexpected. So we finally get there at like 11 o'clock or noon. And so we start trying to navigate our way and see if we can, you know, you lose the trail here, but then you find the trail there. Um, so trying to navigate our way and it's just taken a long time. So we relook at the map, like, well, maybe this isn't, we shouldn't be trying to do this. It's supposed to be this way for two miles and we've barely gotten a quarter of a mile. I know plenty of people who have struggled on the same section of the Highline Trail that the, the sisters couldn't find because of that, that very scenario. Alex Norton is an office worker by day, but he's a Teton County search and rescue volunteer when duty calls. Norton will take us behind the scenes of the search for the sisters in part two. We all go over the map and decide, okay, so we could do this loop that turns south instead, and that goes along a river. How hard can that be? You can follow a river, right? <laughs> a lot of these trails are pretty overgrown in July. In October, they're thoroughfares because they've got horses going up and down them at all hours of the day and you know a lot of the vegetation is kind of dead and, and it's super easy to find the trails and the trail systems but in July they don't get a lot of traffic. Forest service guys are like yeah it's tough to find. The trail crew guys try and keep it somewhat maintained but you know they just get really overgrown because they don't get used in, in the summertime. 
Then we hike down there, we see the sign that says Jackson that way, eight miles. You've We're on the entered... very edge of the Grovant. Yeah, you've mm -hmm. now entered the Grovant wilderness area. We all go over the map at night together because Aaron and I are looking at it all day and studying it and using the compasses and Kelsey's kind of, you know, following blindly and trusting us. So I always wanted to make sure to clue her in, like, this is where we're going and this is why we decided to do this. Because that's how you learn, right? My sisters are, like, very well versed with backpacking, so I figured they knew what they were doing and they didn't know what they were doing, so... I just kind of followed along, and I thought everything would be fine. Day three, we know that we need to get in a lot of miles because we have did such a short day the previous day. So we're really pushing it, but then we get to all these river crossings. And I'm thinking, well, there's maybe like stepping stones that we should be able to find to get across. But where the trail goes across the river, there are never great stepping stones. So we're looking at... We kind of bushwhack north or, you know, just bushwhack along the river to try to find a better place to cross. It's a lot of energy, but what's going through my head is that if you walk across the river in Gore-Tex boots, they're going to stay wet for a really long time. And you can just, like, the rubbing, and it's not going to be great for lots of miles of hiking. However, if you take the Gore-Tex boots off and you trudge through the river and just get your feet wet, right, uh, then all Kelsey's blister bandages are going to completely fall off and she needs those to keep going. They're not just like a tape around the heel. I mean, we've got the like the full foot cast thing going to try to hold that tape on with all like the moisture and everything. It just slides around otherwise. So we were trying really hard to avoid either of those scenarios and it was just not working out. So we're losing all this time and getting really frustrated. And as we're bushwhacking along the river, kind of go up the steep side of the river and all of a sudden you're at this really steep point and your ankles are bending and you're like, no, this is maybe not a great place to be. Realizing that maybe this is a little bit more of a setback than we thought it would be. And we would slide down on our butt like more towards the river and I think there's maybe a, like at two o'clock or something in the afternoon and we hadn't made it as far as we needed to at all. I think Erin and I, I kind of started yelling yeah, at each other. Yeah, we got, we got pretty frustrated <laughs> at each other. She was, like, climbing up these towering rocks. I was like, there's no way in heck I'm going to get up there with my backpack. Like, I don't like seeing you up there. That's dangerous. I don't think I can get up there. We shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't quite what I was expecting. This episode is sponsored by StatRef, a product from Jackson-based Teton Data Systems. StatRef, the premier healthcare e-resource, enables students, researchers, and practicing clinicians to intuitively cross-search full-text titles, journals, and evidence-based point-of-care tools. With nearly 600 resources within over 50 healthcare disciplines, StatRef provides the latest healthcare information in a customizable and convenient format. Find us online at statref.com. We made this pact. We are going to stick to the trail. There's no more bushwhacking along the side of the river trying to figure out the best way to cross it and keep our feet dry. We're sticking to the trail no matter what. Straight through the river. <laughs> so we go straight through the river. Everybody gets their shoes wet. Like our shoes were soaked. And so then obviously like any chance of, you know, saving the blisters and the bandages was not working out. Yeah, there were not any bridges or trail signs or anything, so. We are, like, booking it, and it's great, and we feel 
really good about that decision. And so we finally make up some miles. It's still, we know day four is gonna be a really long day because we've had two super slow days in there. So then day four is, it's kind of the blurry day, I guess, of yeah. all the days. 11 hour day. Yeah, so going into that day, we knew there would be, a, just based on how trail falling had been um, and the trails had been, like we knew it would be challenging. And glued to our compasses. Right. There were never trail signs or like any sort of Karens or anything. We joked about it. At, we joked about <laughs> it, yeah, but there, there was nothing. And so we knew like there was this trail that we had to connect with to get up to the Highline Trail. Mm-hmm. And we knew that finding it would, was going to be hard. And there were maybe um, four options for connectors. So there's this right. little spot in the middle of the map, and there's maybe four different trails that bump off the trail we are on to connect to the Granite Highline. So kind of like, well, if we miss one and don't see it, then we have a second, third, and fourth option. We got to that first turn off and tried to follow it, and it dead ended <laughs> at a lake which the lake was on the map, so we are like, great. It should be right here. And then we kept trying to go and follow and figure out where it branched off from there, and we spent almost an hour, I think, looking wandering through these tall grasses looking for it. We, we would drop our packs so we wouldn't waste energy. And so we finally decided we couldn't find that one, and so we backtracked. We are like, all right, try number two. We saw a trail going off in this direction. It will connect up here. We'll try that one. And we developed this whole technique of whenever we wouldn't, people to find the trail we'd drop our packs with kelsey and she'd stand with the packs so that we could find them later because they're all hidden by these tall grasses and aaron and i would fan out we'd find the trail someone would stay there we'd go and you'd like if you thought you saw a trail and often they were just animal like game trails so we'd follow it for a little bit just to check to make sure it was a real deal and wouldn't end it in a couple of yards and eventually we ended up after trying to navigate through some of these trails that dead ended or we kind of lost track of, we finally ended up on a trail that we knew would take us out to the road to the yeah, trailhead. So I don't know what number but plan this is. It but was the new plan. Plan number fifteen. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. So the the new plan was just to get out to this road. It was like, all right, we have this trail. Great. Let's. You know, just try to follow it, get out to the road. Like <laughs> and the plan... Southwestern direction. Right. We can do this. And right. And then, so we should run into a road, and then we'll figure it out from there. <laughs> like, jog back to the car. It'll be fine. <laughs> Although we had planned to hike on day five, we really just wanted to get to the road, or to a point like, where we knew... We for sure, like, Where, we, where were we were, and knew we could get out. Um, so we were pushing and pushing to get those miles in that afternoon. And Kelsey was really struggling at that point just because her blisters hurt so much. And she, I mean, she, we hadn't prepared her at all for the intensity that this turned out to be. So Erin and I are carrying most of her stuff. She's got a sleeping mat and maybe a sleeping bag. I mean, she's not carrying a lot of gear at all. Granted, her, her blisters were they horrendous. Were, they were horrendous. I thought it sucked a lot. I don't know. I figured I got blisters when I was in the porcupines too but like they obviously weren't that bad I really did realize that this there was a huge difference between the porcupine mountains and out in Wyoming like there was it was very hard to compare the two because they weren't even close to each other like the altitude was different the terrain was different the bugs were different um yeah it was just so much harder than I thought it was gonna be but I mean 
I kind of, like, took the challenge, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, my feet, the back of my feet are falling off. Like, it's fine. Like, this will work out. Because we're all very not quitters. Like, we don't quit things. And people had been really panicky about snow in the area that we were hiking in. Just, like, various people I'd talked to had been like, oh, there might be snow still. Do you have, like... Oh, your warm gear. So we'd brought a trekking pole with us, and Kelsey ended up really relying on that for walking to help her with her feet. I think four o'clock in the afternoon that day, we come to the top of this mountain, and there's an avalanche, like like rock slide. Rock, I guess. Well, it didn't happen right then, but it had happened at one point. So there's this, like the mountains coming down, and then there's kind of the slide of trees going down the mountain also and so we're looking at like how could we get down this to keep heading in the direction we want to go and this trail has totally dead-ended it's like right along the side of the part of the cliff that's fallen away and we're thinking to ourselves okay so this isn't super safe but we know we're supposed to go this way so how can we keep heading this way and we're kind of tossing around ideas of how we could get down this chute area where there's all these branches and trees to navigate. And then I think we looked at each other and we're like, this isn't safe. <laughs> we shouldn't be here. And then we decided to turn around and that we were going to backtrack to, uh, um, we'd seen like a stock horse camp really Earlier early in the day, day maybe around 10 a.m. And we were, we were just going to get back to that camp so that we knew where we were for sure. And then from that, place we could get out and we'd head towards that sign that we'd seen that said Jackson eight miles whatever so huge huge amount of mileage still but at least we would know where we were hiking and we'd be on a real trail and I think we're kind of telling ourselves in our head like um we can make that take two days or a day it'll it'll be long longer than we expected But at least we knew we'd be able to get out that way. So we backtrack and we're just doing our best to keep the speed up and um, get to that horse camp. So single focus there. Like, yeah, this looks familiar and this looks familiar. We're for sure going the right way. And I mean, we'd been taking so much time navigating this earlier in the day. It kind of was all running together. Yeah, it absolutely did. And And it was patchworks of forest and then grassy area. And the grassy area, typically, we were able to, once we found the trail, we could follow it and get to the next patch of forest. But then once you got into the forest, the trail kind of split five directions, and it all seemed like it could potentially be a trail. Um, like and all so, going around fallen trees. So you're like, okay, so if I right. take the bottom route around the fallen tree, I should hook up back to the original thing, right? Well, then there was another fallen tree, and it split off more ways and split off more ways. So when you'd come out of the forest, okay, so where is the actual trail come out? We got back to a point where we knew, so we knew where we had had lunch was like right by a river right before we started coming up onto this ridge that we had been hiking on for a little bit. And we knew that we got to the point where we should find the trail that was going down to the river. And we couldn't find that trail. And so we kept kind of fanning out and like, oh, maybe it's a little bit farther down. And so we kept walking and kept walking. And eventually we got to a point where we just started arguing about where we were and yeah so we'd gone into this woods part again and again it'd been the tree thing where you're going around all these trees and all of a sudden we come to a very 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 steep part and we're hiking down and I think I was going first and you said or somebody was like this isn't it (laughs) like this isn't right so then we turn around and we come out of the woods in a different spot 
And then we started arguing, yeah, about mm-hmm. exactly where we were. And I was like, no, we came out. Of the, we started over there on that side of the hill. And Aaron says, oh, no, we started on this side of the we hill. We got, like, three different perspectives of where we thought we should be. And, we're and like, then Kelsey's insisting, like, we had lunch just down this hill. <laughs> we need to get down the hill. <laughs> Megan makes all the decisions in the end because she's the oldest. And so we all kind of follow feet. Obviously, like, all three of us had to come to some kind of conclusion because we couldn't, like, leave each other and, you know, (laughs) go different directions. So we needed each other. By that point, it's 7 o'clock at night. You know, we're looking at the sun, going behind the mountain. Like, okay, so we have a little bit of daylight left, but not a ton. We're all on our last leg. Like, we each had a of peanut butter for dinner. We're just about out of water. Like, this isn't great. We're not going to be making great decisions here. Maybe we just got to call it quits for the night. I didn't really think of any problems until July 3rd, which is the day that we decided to um, stop hiking. So um, we find, like, the side of the hill where we had started arguing about where exactly we've gone into the woods. Um, so we uh, throw our stuff down, Aaron and Kelsey go to check to make sure that there's water, a water source nearby since we know we need water. I kind of hang out and watch the stuff because we hadn't hung any of our food or anything yet. Um, and they like whistle to let me know that they've found water and so I start setting everything up. And by the time they've come back, I'm thinking, okay, so we can talk about this tomorrow but we might need to signal for help. (laughs) Like, this might be it. Find out what happens next in part two of the search for the missing sisters. We'll hear more from Shirley and her husband, Eric, about the emotional search for their daughters. This is The Fine Line, a monthly podcast produced by Backcountry Zero. Backcountry Zero is a vision of the Teton County Search and Rescue Foundation to reduce fatalities and serious injuries in the Tetons. Find out more at backcountryzero.com.